Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. A fantasy. Today's episode is brought to you by Flex Fantasy, and they want me to relay a message to you that they have cracked open the game of fantasy football to all. When you sign up for a free account and download the Flex Fantasy app, you can import all your teams from all your leagues across multiple platforms that you play on. Spice up your fantasy playing experience by challenging league mates or strangers off the street to a fantasy matchup no matter how or where they play. And put your money where your mouth is by placing a wager on your head-to-head matchup. It doesn't matter if you are on Yahoo and your opponent is on Sleeper. You can import your teams to Flex Fantasy to face off. You can even make wagers on who you think will win between other challenges besides your own. So sign up for a free account and download the app to try it out at flex.fan. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. It's time to look ahead on this Wednesday night with the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Thanks for tuning in live on our YouTube channel. Subscribe so you get notified whenever we have new content coming available to you guys. If you missed an episode, that's okay. Just download the Foxy Network app on your LG, Samsung, Roku, or Belly Up T or excuse me, Fire TV devices to look for the Belly Up Sports TV category. You can catch all of our shows there, or just download us on your favorite podcast app. Stay up to date with the show while you're on the go. As always, I'm your host Dan Mater, and I am joined as I always am every Wednesday. I'm very thankful to be so with my intern Danielle, who's going to be producing the show. We'll be back for the mailbag segment as well at the end of the show. And then we have Brian Scott from the Injured List Podcast to help me out with what is a library list of injuries as it continues to grow and drive all of us fantasy owners crazy. And, and I, to this point, Brian, I must be driving you crazy too. No, oh, man, this is what I do. This is what this is what I'm all about when it comes to fantasy and uh, watching all these professional sports. It's right up my alley, so I I enjoy it. Danielle, are you, are you staying up to date with your lineups? You, you kind of have me a little bit worried here pre-show in the green room. <laughs> I am. I am. I just need to get a new defense because Rams are on a bye week. So, Did you say the Browns? The Rams. The Rams. Okay. Not that much better, but a little bit better. I, I thought you were like we yeah. scoring on the Browns defense. Okay. It was a little bit rough there because I thought the Steelers were going to have a good defense. So I had to pick up the Rams. Well, I'll tell you what. We don't really talk about defense that much on this show. But uh, the Miami Dolphins, widely available, definitely probably a good play this week. So just a little tidbit for you there. What are we going to be talking about today's show, though? 
It is Look Ahead Wednesday, so we're going to be doing a first half preview for this week. And that's why she's a professional, folks. We're going to have her back on later on. Don't you worry. Danielle, we'll see you real, real soon. All right, Brian, you and me, man. Let's, let's, do it. let's just, just, just do it. Let's hit that drop. <laughs> Injury inquiries. Oh. 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 Okay. So we got the Saints, which is yes. like half the injury report right off the bat. Yeah, that's most, a good chunk of it for sure. <laughs> most of this is uh, is pretty much we know. So here's what I'm going to ask you. Uh, Jarvis Landry's out. Yeah. Michael Thomas is out. Yes. But I do want to ask you this. Michael Thomas with a toe injury. Is he going to be yeah. back next week? How much longer? I don't know, man. Uh, it's uh, It was a turf toe injury, which is uh, always very concerning. And if it's significant enough, um, at some point, it may become a surgical issue. Uh, hope not, because if it does, that's going to be the end of his season. But, you know, these things do take a while to get better. Uh, but until he actually gets on the field and tests that out, I don't see how he's going to come back anytime soon. And he hasn't. He hasn't been yeah, practicing no. at all. Yeah, not at all. So that that's going to be a curious one to watch. If you took the risk on Michael Thomas, it might not pay off for you guys at all. Then we have an interesting dilemma going on at the quarterback position. So today, apparently, Jameis Winston, Andy Dalton, both not on the injury report at all, were on it earlier in the week with two back issues. And now it seems like we're waiting on the Saints to determine who they want their starting quarterback to be. Maybe it's because they're trying to determine it's not just this week, maybe for the rest of season, who they want their quarterback to be after this game. I don't know the case, but from a health perspective, where are you at on Jameis Winston? Well, I've read some conflicting reports on these guys uh, in the media. Some have said that Winston has been limited. Some have said that uh, Dalton's been the one taking snaps with the starters. So it's kind of still a little bit up in the air, but Dalton's back injury initially was reported to not be as significant as Winston's. And although Winston did suit up as a backup role, I believe, last week, um, unless he's, you know, if he's not full tilt and practicing with the starters, I can't imagine they're going to put him in there to start. So he might end up in a backup role again. Plus, he's also dealing with an ankle issue as well. So it's been not just one thing that's kind of slowed him down, but two injuries, whereas Dalton is just dealing with the back. So it's going to be interesting how this plays out here as we head into the weekend. Well, yeah, it's tomorrow night. Is that is that? Oh, I'm sorry, yes. With the Saints and the Cardinals. That's why it's, it's such a pressing matter. We'll yeah. talk more about that situation and what I think of it all uh, later in the show. So we got Hollywood Brown. It came out first that we thought it was going to be, that's it. That, that's his season. And now they're talking four to six weeks. So you, can you clarify that? Yeah, so um, I'm not exactly sure. Apparently he has some type of fracture in the foot. My guess is it's not any of the major bones that make up any of the important joints in the midfoot could be a fifth metatarsal fracture, which um, you can have several different versions of that type of fracture. The one we always hear about is the dreaded Jones fracture, but that's only one variant of the type of fracture you can have in that part of the foot. So my guess is that he has some variant of that fifth metatarsal fracture, in which case a lot of times there's nothing to do surgical, but you just got to give it ample time to heal. And that can vary between anywhere to four to six weeks. I'm kind of leaning more toward the six-week mark, but I would not be surprised if in four weeks' time he is ready to come back if we see him get on the field and do any type of cutting and sprinting and football-related activities. 
So, I mean, look, that's a big deal. I, I'm If you guys kept Marquise Brown and drop him right away with the false first report, good. Because I know some people did. Uh, you'll be able to stash him in your IR, and it sounds like you might have him back at some point. Unfortunately, we're going to have to figure out what that all means with the return of DeAndre Hopkins this week, too. But we'll get on all that later on. What about James Conner? He's listed as a game-time decision, still dealing with the rib injury. Do you think he really suits up on a short week? Are they just going to give him the extra week, or do they think they're going to really play him now? Uh, again, this is going to be one of those game time decisions. He's officially listed as questionable, but still hasn't practiced as far as I know this week. In fact, I don't think he practiced today either. Um, really going to be down to I the think wire. He's listed here as again. limited. Um, yeah, but I mean, he didn't actually practice either, so it's hard to know. Yeah. Again, this is one of those things, man. These rib injuries can sometimes take a while. Um, given the 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 issue with the Cardinals' backfield, you know, we might see him maybe suit up and just get a, a limited snap count. But I, I still don't really think he's going to be uh, quite the player you hope he is and contribute as much as we think, um, given his limited availability in practice the last few weeks. Yeah, I, that's, that's kind of why I think they're not going to play him. Uh, me personally, I don't see what the benefit would be given the extra time off and just run Edo Benjamin out there. Darrell Williams, we know he's not going to play, so we're not even worried about that right now. T. Higgins... Now, he's been dealing with that ankle injury. He did play third, of course, on Sunday. He came back and practiced in a limited capacity today, which is significant because he's not practiced on a Wednesday in weeks. So you think Higgins is going to be close to 100% this Sunday? Yeah, uh, reports I've read shows that he has been showing progress and that he's feeling good and has been displaying good signs of recovery and able to get through his limited sessions uh, without any real setbacks. Uh, again, he has been playing through this since I think week four. Uh, no reason to think that they won't let him go uh, this week as well. St. Brown, good news on him. He practiced in full. Sounds like he'll be good to go. Some interesting comments, though, on DeAndre Swift's side. So he is was a practice in unlimited capacity. That's the good news coming off the bye week. The interesting news to me is that there's a report talking about Swift pushing to play on Sunday. That doesn't sound like a guy who's definitely 100% ready to go. Yeah, um, you know, we've been talking about this for several weeks on your show here. And the thought process with him was that we, we kind of anticipated he was going to be held out until that week six bye. With the thought that it was to get him ready and have him suit up week seven against the Cowboys because they're going to need him. You know, they yeah. still got a couple other receivers that are kill, still kind of dinged up. Um, and he's a big part of their game. Uh, and production on offense, I can't see how he can't be ready. I still do expect him to play, despite some of these reports that are providing some conflicting information. I think, you know, uh, from what we've heard from him uh, throughout the last few weeks, he's probably ready. Um, He's been very optimistic about being able to return, and there was thought, too, that he was actually going to return before the bye. But I think they made the smart move in holding him out until then giving him that extra week off. So we should see him. I agree. We should see him, but maybe we have to keep it in our back of our minds. He's not quite as close to hundred percent as we thought he would be. Yeah, coming off I, the bye know, I think he, I think he's going to be better than people may, might, might think. Okay. I think he's, I think he's had enough time to, to get through these injuries. They weren't necessarily deemed pretty serious from the beginning. Um, so I think he's had ample time. All right, well, if Brian Scott's confident, then I'm confident. So that's all that really matters. <laughs> what about Jamison Williams? So more I want to get out of you is, what do you think is a realistic timeline for him to return? Dan Campbell talking about him earlier today that, look, this guy's going to play at some point this season. 
he is eligible to be off of IR, designated for return off of IR. When do you think is realistic for him to come back? Uh, this is a tough one to call because all reports I read during the offseason were that he had an isolated ACL injury, which is which is the one you want if you're going to be dealing with that, meaning that there was no other structural damage in his knee. Now, based on the timeline, he should have been back to practice already, but for whatever reason, he's not. So he's probably had some setbacks. You know, the last few reports I've read where uh, Dan Campbell's commented on it, it sounds like they're in no rush to put him out there. Right. For what reason that is, I don't know. My guess is that he's still struggling with some swelling and possibly some feelings of instability or weakness in the knee. And again, you know, uh, at this phase of the rehab, uh, it's not unusual for guys to have some setbacks still. Um, As we get closer to that 12-month mark from the time of his surgery is when I think you could really kind of have more um, uh, optimism about him getting back out there. Until that point, it's really up in the air. And hard to predict. Well, the, the problem with, with the 12-month mark is that uh, the season will be over. So <laughs> Yeah, and you know what? Um, that's realistic, too. Is a real possibility that he might, might not be here or suit up in 2021-22 season. So, or, I'm sorry, 22-23 season. We'll have, we'll have to see. Dan Campbell seemed pretty confident that he will at some point. But, again, we don't. these things are fluid, and we have to roll with it. Until we see him on the field, I, yeah. I ain't buying it, though. <laughs> no, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. I am standing firm on, though, if you have an extra IR spot, stash this guy. Because if he does get back up on the field, he has the big playability. And Detroit has an opening for another receiver next to St. Brown to be able to be productive. I'll tell so you what, I would, I'd, I'd rather stash. have him stashed in my IR than uh, rely on Odell Beckham Jr. getting signed and making any contributions <laughs> in the next couple of weeks here. So. Yeah, we were just talking about that before the show kicked <laughs> off. and. I guess at some point I'm going to have to address it. I've been trying to avoid it because it's just so <laughs> stupid to me to, to begin with. But at some point we'll address it. Not today, sure, though. Sure. Uh, Dak Prescott, his thumb, he's returning. He's cleared. What do you think? Do you think he's going to be 100% on that field or you, anything you're worried about? Uh, I'm just worried about any type of uh, really high-velocity uh, throws down the field where he's got to really squeeze it in a tight spot. But other than that, it sounds like he's doing well. He's practiced uh, full practice. Um, with the starters, and uh, we should see him. Sounds good to me. What about Jonathan Taylor trying to work his way back from the ankle injury? Thought he was going to go last week or have a decent chance to do so, and then rolled out the last second. Yeah, so he was, you know, he practiced limited leading up to last weekend. It sounds like they might have just wanted to give him an extra week of rest, so they held him out. Um, I think it's going to be a, a late call this week, so probably we'll get some news uh, Friday. Um, I think he's been doing limited participation this week as well. So uh, it sounds like he's ready to go. It sounds like they're they're wanting to get him out there. I think we realistically could see him. You might see him on a limited count, though, depending on how he does uh, in practice this week. And of course, Niam Hines, he's getting back in the practice field. Good sign for him with concussion. Yeah. Randall Cobb, not that this matters for him in particular for your fantasy football lineups, but it does kind of matter for target share available for an Alan Lazard and a, a Romeo Dobbs right now. So what's the deal with his ankle injury, you think? So it sounds like he has a pretty pretty significant ankle injury. They feared originally that it was really serious and may have even needed surgery, but uh, apparently the x-rays were negative, um, didn't show any fractures or any instability of the ankle. Uh, but that being said, you could probably expect him out at least anywhere between two to four weeks. I'm kind of leaning more toward the four-week mark. Christian Watts is still trying to work his way back from a hamstring issue. And then Sammy Watkins was actually a limited participant in practice today. As it stands right now, though, it seems like the odds are more in the favor of them not playing this week. So kind of keep that in mind. I do want to talk to you about Carson Wentz's hand injury, though. 
So what what we got on that? Yeah, so apparently he fractured his ring finger on his throwing hand uh, during the game. Ended up seeing, uh, I think, at least one or two specialists. And then after that second opinion, uh, boom, had surgery on Monday like morning. So uh, must have been significant enough. Now the problem is, is his throwing hand. It's uh, his ring finger, which is actually very important when you're speaking about the mechanics of throwing a football, um, given the position of your hand on the ball when you're trying to throw a nice tight spiral. Uh, issues with this is the finger um, can be very difficult to, to rehab from. Fingers get very swollen. They get very stiff very quickly, and it requires a lot of rehab and some some you know kind of mental and physical fortitude <laughs> to to bounce back from that rehab. It's it's tough, and I know this from experience because my wife is a hand therapist <laughs> and she deals with this stuff all the time. And uh, she tells me about the challenges she has with her patients and about the challenges that they face, um, you know, coming back from injuries and surgeries like this. So until we hear about him actually picking up a football and throwing it. Um, I'm expecting a, a pretty long stint, possibly even a trip to the IR if they haven't already put him on there. They haven't yet. Interesting enough, because it is a four-week timeline is what they keep reporting it as. So kind of curious if they did not do that as of now. We'll have to see. There's a lot of things up in the air with the Washington Commanders in general at the quarterback yeah. position. Uh, Jahan Dotson did return to practice today in a limited capacity. What do you got on Logan Thomas for me real quick, though? Because he's having a rough time trying to stay healthy. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, I think this all kind of goes back to his uh, pretty significant knee injury in the off uh, last year and surgery in the offseason. Um, it took him a while to bounce back from that. I think what you're seeing here is just some residual um, issues and um, stuff stemming from that. Now, it's apparently a calf strain um, but I think the knee actually plays into this more than people realize. So that given the case, um, he didn't practice uh, today, but did do some stuff on the side, uh, working with the training staff um, th- yesterday. But then I, uh, I think he might have actually did some limited work um, with the team today in practice. But uh, again, given his history with that knee and coming off a major surgery and then missing part of the season at the beginning of the year, um, I, I don't expect a quick bounce back from this um, if it's significant enough that he can't get through a full practice. Yeah, something to look out for. We're looking for tight ends all over the place. We're hoping he'd have some value, but just unfortunately, a quick recovery is turning into more injuries from other areas down the road here. It seems like uh, Baker Mayfield, he's still going to be out, it sounds like, with an ankle issue. Sam Darnold might be back on the way, but never fear. The guy who's already named the starter for this week is Philip Walker, so we can all go ahead and just... What a, what a, what a crazy situation for Carolina. Yeah. When the quarterback position, you got you got uh, Darnold going down with a high ankle sprain. Then you got Mayfield going through his hurdles with the team and suffering a high ankle sprain of his own, which apparently they did an MRI on, didn't see any major structural damage, but nonetheless, he's been in the boot, I think, for the past week or two. And then you got the poor uh, rookie who might have actually had a chance to step in and do something who season never got started because of a serious Liz Frank injury. So yeah. um, here we are, quarterback number four on the depth chart, PJ Walker. We'll see what he does. We are, we already saw what he does. It's, it's going to be a nightmare. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just You play Chris McCaffrey and nobody else. And then Marvin Jones, he practiced in limited capacity. Yeah. We don't really worry about him too much either. So yeah. we did it, Brian. We got through the heavy we Wednesday list. Of it course, is. we'll be back tomorrow, though, and the list yep. is a little bit shorter tomorrow, so that, that's Correct. the good news. Hopefully, it stays A little bit that. shorter, but 
not uh, the quality is what uh, is yes. is important about tomorrow's list. There's a lot more uh, question marks up in the air, a lot more significant injuries and uh, important players to go through. So tune in tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Speaking of tomorrow and whatever you're doing else this week and where uh, to follow you at, hit us with it. Oh yeah, so I'm I'm working on an article I was telling you before about the whole OBJ situation and what my uh, medical opinion is about his return, which has apparently been projected for a week eleven. And you know, there's been a lot of stuff floating around media about him visiting different teams and looking to sign with somebody as a free agent. So I'll kind of give my medical opinion about what I what you could probably expect or maybe not expect from him. Um, so I'm looking to try and get that published on Friday. Uh, and then of, of course I'll be doing my, uh, injury updates, uh, mostly on Twitter at host Brian Scott. I'll be here tomorrow night to go through the injuries for the second half of the weekend games with you tomorrow, Dan. And then, um, you'll, you can find me uh, Sunday morning at 8am on one of the other belly up networks, uh, uh, sports talk shows. I'm doing some last minute injury updates. Like I always do every week and, uh, got the new revamped website, the So check that out. And, um, that's, that's about it. That's about it. That's about a lot of things. And we're glad to have you here doing it all for us. Make sure you guys check him out at the injured list podcast. And we'll talk to Brian tomorrow night at 10 PM Eastern. See you then, Brian. Good night. Again, that's Brian Scott at host Brian Scott on social media. Make sure you give the injured list podcast a download. You must follow it before we get into uh, the rest of our actual show here. We did have a couple comments and, Keep those comments coming in, especially when you're watching us live on YouTube on our channel. Uh, Ye just traded uh, Stevenson and Pickens for Mike Evans. That a win or a loss for me? It, it depends on how much you needed a, an upper echelon wide receiver. I still love Mike Evans, and I routinely rank him in the top 10. You are banking on the idea that Tom Brady is going to get this thing turned around. The offense is going to get this thing turned around. Hopefully with Ryan Jensen potentially coming back within the next few weeks, that could be a a secret key for them to give Brady the time he needs. Because the problem right now is that Brady doesn't have the time to throw the ball down the field to Mike Evans. That's why Chris Godwin's been more targeted him the past couple of weeks because the offensive line's been so bad, even against lesser competition. But Ramondre Stevenson's value will return back to an an RB2, RB3 when Damian Harris comes back. And George Pickens, he he has the potential to pop but it still hasn't happened yet to this point we're still waiting for it and he has a tough schedule so here's what i would say it's most likely a win depending on how much you need another upper echelon wide receiver it's definitely not a loss so that's the good news there ye and our second question super cnb challengers like that okay ppr i need a flex chris olave mike williams christian kirk you know benjamin raheem moster some good options there. Chris Olave is the highest ranked player I have of that group. So that's if you're picking out of those players, pick one flex player in a PPR league. That would be the guy. No Michael Thomas, no Jarvis Landry. Chris Olave has been full. He's good to go. We don't have to worry about him. I don't think too much. Uh, look, whether even if it's Andy Dalton, you'd ra- if you have Chris Olave, you prefer Jameis Winston for the deep ball threat. But even if it's Andy Dalton, he's got no one else to throw the ball to besides Kamara. So Chris Olave will be just fine, and he can hit the big play. We just had another question come in. Shelly, Connor or Etienne rest of season in a PPR league? It still should lean Connor because when he's back, he's still unquestionably the lead guy. But it is getting interesting. It is getting close. And I'm going to talk about James Robinson, Travis Etienne later on the show. But I wouldn't say James Connor for now. 
just you know, assuming all things are equal and he's able to stay healthy, which could be a question mark in and of itself. We'll have to see. All right. With all that, let's finally get into some of our game previews. The first segment, we're going to talk about, of course, the Thursday night game, the Saints and the Cardinals. We got the Falcons and Bengals, the Lions and Cowboys. And then, of course, we have the Colts and the Tennessee Titans. So let's hit the obvious starters. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. If you're paying attention to the group I just read off, you know that there's no obvious starter at the quarterback position, not this week anyway. But the running back, there's a few guys, and a few guys that I kind of want to talk about. So let's kick it off with Alvin Kamara. He comes in my RB10 on the week. So there's some off-the-field things we got to talk about with Alvin Kamara. He's got a $10 million civil lawsuit now to go along with the charges of assault and battery from stemming from last year. Now, the civil lawsuit doesn't really do anything as far as speeding up when a suspension may come. The NFL is not going to touch this until the federal process actually goes through, and that's not going to go through until they actually stop delaying it, which apparently they've been able to do time and time again. The expectations are going to do it again, which is why we said from the get-go during the draft season process, we were not expecting Alvin Kamara to get suspended this year. Next year's a different story. Next year, I expect Alvin Kamara to miss some games. But just kind of keep you guys up to date with what's going on off the field there since we had some news. To get to Alvin Kamara on the field, which I do want to highlight as well, you want Andy Dalton. So like I just, I just had that question. I talked about Chris Olave. If you have Kamara, you want Andy Dalton. Because over the past few weeks, Last two weeks in particular, he's fourth on the running back position in targets. Now, yeah, some of that has to do with no Michael Thomas, no Jarvis Landry. But even if you go back to week two, there was more targets for Alvin Kamari at seven in that game. Dalton's just a more natural, check down, play it safer type of quarterback compared to Jameis Winston. And while Kamari's been going on the ground too, you really want that floor in the receiving game. That's what gives him his RB1 value. You want it to be Andy Dalton. I do believe it will be Andy Dalton tomorrow night. I think because it's a short week, I just don't see them pivoting off to Jameis Winston, at least not yet. And if Dalton plays well, we might have a quarterback controversy on our hands. We'll have to see. With Joe Mixon, he's my RB12 of the week. And uh, look, it hasn't always been pretty. It hasn't always been efficient. But he's getting the volume. He's a good player. And the Bengals' offensive line is still not great, but it has shown signs of getting a little bit better each week. And, I mean, at this point, I think that's, frankly, all you can ask for. 
Derrick Henry, he's back off the bye week. You're firing him up with great confidence. He comes in my RB6. And really nothing more to talk about there. It's pretty straightforward with those two guys. So we move on to our wide receivers. Who are we obviously starting at the wide receiver? Well, first and foremost, I'm obviously starting Jamar Chase, who got back on track last week. He's my wide receiver two this week. Now, I should probably let off the show with this, but you guys are, at this point on a Wednesday, I would think, are aware of the fact that this is a brutal bye week. Yes, technically speaking, it's the same amount of teams as it was last week, but the teams are the Buffalo Bills. So you're losing guys like Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Gabriel Davis. You got the Rams, so Cooper Cup, he's out. You, you got the Minnesota Vikings, so Jeff, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, who's been a wide receiver, three, Dalvin Cook, their bye-bye. It's brutal. It's just a brutal bye week. All the firepower, and there's not that much of it this year in the NFL, is all on bye this week. So the rankings, as a result, they're going to see some names in some places that we're not used to seeing. Even as a guy doing the projections, I got to be like, oh, does he really belong? Oh, no, no, this guy does belong up there in that upper tier because there's nobody left. There's nobody left. So we're going to see that. But Jamar Chase, wide receiver two on the week. Good to see him get back on track last week. I'm on Ross St. Brown. He's back practicing full. He actually sounds like he's closer to that 100% according to reports that we are expecting to see as him and DeAndre Swift coming off the bye week. And look, Josh Reynolds, he's banged up, so we don't know where to get out of him. DJ Chark still couldn't practice today, even coming off the bye week. So St. Brown and TJ Hawkinson, it might not be much else available. Uh, St. Brown's a wide receiver one anyway for me, so this doesn't really change that. And while it's a tough defense against the Dallas Cowboys, Detroit always finds a way, if it, even if it comes down to the fourth quarter and they're getting blown out, they find a way to make it a game because they still score points, still the, one of the fastest tempos in the NFL. There's plenty for St. Brown. I'm not worried about him at all this week. Speaking on the other side of the ball, though, I did want to spend a little moments here on C.D. Lamb, who does come in at my wide receiver six this week for me. So Dak Prescott's back. That's fantastic. In the meantime, before Dak Prescott got back, CeeDee Lamb has been the wide receiver 13 on the year thus far. He's been six amongst wide receivers in targets. So that was the good news. Cooper Rush was able to maintain CeeDee Lamb from being a, a fantasy football disaster. For those of you out there, though, who might have this illusion in your head, or delusion, I should say, that somehow Cooper Rush would be better for, than Dak Prescott would be, especially in terms of CeeDee Lamb. Look, Cooper Rush... His air yards per attempt, 6.3. Dak Prescott for his career, 7.8. Okay? When, when Dak went down, and it seems like everybody has this the, that first week stuck in their head with Tampa Bay. Yes, he played a horrible three and a half quarters. No doubt about it. Detroit Lions defense is a far cry from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. And with Dak, thumb injury and all, he opens up more of the field, and he's not even a, a gunslinger. And he opens up way more of the field to see the land that Cooper Rush does on a more regular basis. The targets aren't going anywhere. It's an upgrade to quarterback position. If you have CeeDee Lamb right now, and if you follow me, you probably do have quite a few shares of him because I was pretty high on him in the draft process. He's back to being that guy who could be that mid-level wide receiver one that you drafted him to be. The targets have been there. The volume's been there. The big play has not. The touchdowns have not been consistent. That could all come to fruition 
now with Dak Prescott. I think it's great that he's coming back against a team like Detroit his first week back, not against a team like, you know, Tampa Bay, where it might be a little bit different here. So I'm not worried about CeeDee Lamb. In fact, I'm very, very excited about him. And if there ever was a buy low window, that will close this week, and it might already be closed now that Dak is back in the lineup. Michael Pittman's another guy I kind of want to spend a few moments talking about. He comes in my wide receiver five this week. Had a big week last week. Back on track. He's wide receiver 11 in targets right now. So that's a tremendous thing here about Michael Pittman. And I was happy to see it. Leading into last week, I was sick and tired of hearing people talk about like, oh, well, what's wrong with Michael Pittman and Matt Ryan? Are they not on the same page? Are we just not going to get the same kind of, you know, repertoire chemistry between these guys we were expecting and therefore not, not getting the production of Michael Pittman that we were expecting. And I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, sometimes I think people in fantasy football, and it's not just the fans, it's, it's analysts too. I see it all the time. Just have amnesia past like, you know, one week prior to what happened. <laughs> he was out week two with a calf, with a, with an injury. He had one bad game and he came back and fired off in all cylinders. What are we talking about? Michael Pittman's getting plenty of volume. Matt Ryan, by the way, I was going to use this stat later, but I'll use it now. Matt Ryan is the second quarterback in the NFL in pass attempts. Volume's there, folks. Volume's there. And I don't think Jonathan Taylor returning is going to drastically change that anytime soon either. So, yeah, fire up Pittman. Guess what? He's got a match against the Tennessee Titans this week, who are the eighth team giving up the, their eighth and most points allowed to the wide receivers. So you feel pretty good about this week's matchup, too. All right, that does it for our obvious starters for that group. Let's hit the lock them ins Lock them in. It's a lock. Uh, before we do... All right, that's too long, okay? Uh, pig's feet. Want to answer your question. That's too long of a question. I can't read off your entire roster on air. What you can do, though, this is a shameless plug here for this opportunity... Go to at MDFF show on social media. I will gladly answer it there. I'll answer anybody's question there. If you want to read off your entire team, I'll go through it step-by-step step with you guys. That, that's what I'm here for. It's the MD's Fantasy Football Show. I am your therapist. I said this last week. I am your therapist for your fantasy football leagues. Get it all off your chest. Vent. Hit me with your teams. I'll help you out. For the show, though, simple questions is what we're going to talk about on the show, but we will get to those on social media. Just hit me up and follow me there. All right, getting to our lock let's hit it off with the quarterback position. Kyler Murray, he's my QB8 on the week. After my QB8, I don't really like any of my other options. Everybody else after QB8 this week is a streamer. <laughs> so it's brutal, and that's why Kyler Murray's a lock in because he's that, he's that cutoff point for me this week at that tier. Last year, when DeAndre Hopkins was on the field, and DeAndre Hopkins didn't even have to have a good game. He just had to be on the field. Kyler Murray was never worse than QB6. There's something about having him there as his little safety blankie. Maybe he cozies up in a DeAndre Hopkins, you know, thermal when he's playing modern warfare Call of Duty. Maybe that's what he does and just makes him feel safe inside. DeAndre Hopkins makes Kyler Murray a top six quarterback. You're playing him. You're locking him in. Not a great matchup against the Saints, but at the same time, this is not the same Saints defense that we're used to seeing either. They got a litany list of injuries themselves. So you got to feel pretty good about playing Kyler Murray this week with DeAndre Hopkins back on the field. And it gives you some hope moving forward now that he has Hopkins back. What about Joe Burrow? So he comes into my QB4 this week. 
And Joe, just, you just lock him in. Playing the Land Falcons. T. Higgins is back healthier. He's got all of his weapons. And like I said before, there's a lot of offensive lines that don't look like they're improving, unfortunately. The Bengals are one of the few that are getting a little bit better. Joe Burrow is getting sacked a little bit less. There's actually a little bit more room for Joe Mixon to run than there was previously. It's still not good, but it's, it's better than what it was in the first month of the season so far. So Burrow, if he has more time to throw, he takes more shots down the field to his better wide receivers, and then we start accumulating fantasy points like we did last week. Joe Burrow's a QB4, really nothing else to talk about there. And Dak Prescott, he's back, and he's a QB6 for me right off the bat. I am having no hesitation in playing Dak Prescott this week against the Detroit Lions. One, because, well, it's the Detroit Lions, <laughs> and they have such an up-tempo that even though Dallas has a really good defense... There's probably going to be some points scored here back and forth a little bit. Dak's going to have every opportunity to get going his first week back. You have to love it from that standpoint. It's it's the perfect storm here of bye weeks and matchup. That's why Dak Prescott winds up being our QB6 this week. And if you had him, you were sitting on him. I'm firing him up with confidence, especially when you start to look around the other options that are uh, – Available to you by default. That's probably the best, easy, most PG way I could say it. What about the running backs? So lock them in running backs. DeAndre Swift's an RB16. Yeah, I know I just talked about being a little bit concerned. Some of the comments just don't make you feel really that confident when you're saying pushing to play on Sunday, coming off the bye week, when the whole idea was that you're supposed to be getting held out past the bye week to be pretty much 100% healthy before you made the return. He'll be fine out there. DeAndre Swift's a big play guy. It's not a great matchup on paper, but there's no way you can not have DeAndre Swift if he's out there because he could just he can hit it all for you in one play. This is who he is. It's what he does. They've had two weeks to prepare. You're fine with DeAndre Swift. I'm not. I'm not concerned about it. But Jonathan Taylor, Jonathan Taylor comes in at RB11. He's outside my top ten this week. That's the first time all year in a game in which I'm anticipating Jonathan Taylor to play that I actually have him outside my top 10, and I'm way lower on him than the rest of the ECR is. It's his first week back. That, that has partly to do with it. But that offensive line is so bad. They are the second-worst offensive line in run blocking. Part of the reason that the Colts are throwing it so much is because Jonathan Taylor's been out. The other part of it? This offensive line can only pass block to a, a below average degree. It's just, it's not as horrendous, but it's not good. But that's the other reason for it. Matt Ryan has to line up in shotgun. I don't know what kind of room there's going to be for Taylor against Tennessee. And that's not the matchup to be had here. The matchup's going to be had through the air. So it's going to be interesting to see. If you have Jonathan Taylor, he's in your lineup. He's still a low in RB1 for me, but he's not an upper echelon elite guy his first week back. That's how bad, that's how ugly this thing has become in Indianapolis with that upfront offensive line. And until that gets sorted out or they find a way to improve to some degree, it might be a while before I have Jonathan Taylor, unless the matchup dictates so, back inside my top five. So, yeah, I'm a little bit a little bit worried about Jonathan Taylor having elite production this week. But, I mean, again, talk about a guy who stole an RB1 for me at the end of the day. We go into wide receivers. I talked about Chris Olave a little bit at the beginning of the show because we had asked a question about him. Lock him in. 
He's a wide receiver 12. I have him as a low end wide receiver one this week. Whether it's because of the high volume floor that we expect him to have or the fact that he has the ability to break a big one, whatever the case may be. I know on paper, the Arizona Cardinals have been pretty tough against wide receivers, especially over the past three weeks. But when there's only one guy to get the ball, it's hard for him not to at least have a floor and have a very good chance of getting a touchdown in this game as well. And that's what I'm bit that's the big thing I'm anticipating. I have Chris Olave projected for a touchdown in this game. I think it'll be good enough to be a wide receiver one. You're playing Chris Olave, but the guy on the other side, I have higher. That's right. His first game back, DeAndre Hopkins is my wide receiver 10. I'm eight spots higher than the ECR. The ECR has him back around the wide receiver 20-ish area. No, I'm being bullish on DeAndre Hopkins. Look, the Cardinals' offense has been horrible, but they still had a ton of volume going to Marquise Brown. That's going to happen for Hopkins, too. And he got given the gift of no Marshawn Lattimore to have to go against in his first week back. So the Saints' defense is not as good as it normally would be. They can't take away that top receiver right now at all. In fact, they're terrible against receivers right now without Marshawn Lattimore out. So he's going to get the volume. They're going to make a point to pepper him. He's not coming off of an injury. He's coming off of suspension. So physically, I don't expect him to be all that hindered. They have to play him. I don't expect him to be on a snap count. So why are we being cautious with DeAndre Hopkins this week in our rankings? I don't know. I'm not. He's my wide, he is a wide receiver one for me this week. I do have some questions about DeAndre Hopkins for the rest of the season, though. That's where it becomes a little bit of different territory. So he's a guy who's struggling with injuries, and whether he'll admit it or not, that's why he was taking the HGH. Can he be the same guy, or more accurately, can he hold up if he doesn't have the HGH in his system at this point? He's had a lot of lower body injuries over his career, and they were starting to stack up over the last two years in particular. That's why I'm not surprised we see him get popped at this point in his career. So that's something I am going to watch as the season moves on. But for the week one, the volume is going to make him a fantasy stud, I believe, a fantasy wide receiver one for this week. And then Mar- and then T. Higgins. T. Higgins is the other guy that I'm locking in. I had in my notes, as long as he practices on a Wednesday, I'm locking him as a top 15 option. He practiced on a Wednesday. I'm good to go with T. Higgins. So we're good there. Lock him in. Uh, let's jump into our lookout for players. Lookout for. So Jared Goff had been a very popular streamer to this point, right? And uh, look, the offensive pace is still there. And yeah, the weapons are coming back healthier. They, I do believe this game is in Detroit. I'm trying to get that vetted. No, it's in Dallas. There is a big home away split when it comes to Jared Goff, seemingly. But you always have garbage time to maybe give him a chance. I got a QB 14, though. Uh, that's about three spots lower than the ECR. They got him inside the top 12, not me. It's Dallas Cowboy defense. That, that does scare me a little bit. They got the pass rush to be able to kind of put him off his rocker. We, 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 we know this about Jared Goff. His weakness is that if he feels the pressure and he gets happy feet, and he starts releasing the ball way before he's supposed to, he can have a really bad game. He can have a really bad day. That was the caveat, and that was the weakness of him with the Rams. That hasn't changed when he got to Detroit. It's just this season he's been 
behind one of the better offensive lines has had the weapons up until this point. But we kind of saw what happened in the Patriot game. And again, it's not going to be that bad. He had, he didn't have any weapons for that game. I, I do want to emphasize that it's not going to be that bad, but it could be similar if you were able to game plan him the way the Dallas Cowboy defense can game plan him. And that's why I don't really have him as a top 12 guy. And I'd be looking for other options this week. If you can at all help it. My other lookout for quarterbacks, now that I'm all screwed up here on my timeline, apparently, uh, <laughs> bear with me. My other lookout for quarterbacks is Matt Ryan. So Matt Ryan, I just bumped him up to QB 10, actually, probably a couple hours before the show. I had him at QB 12, and then I actually leapfrogged Jimmy Garoppolo into a tackle of Boa. Sometimes when you, when you make these rankings, you, you know, you do your projections and ultimately, no matter how many variables you put into it, it's a law of averages. And then you have a weight system and the weight system dictated that, you know what, for this week against the Tennessee Titans, I'd rather have Matt Ryan than to attack a or Jimmy G this week. Again, second most pass attempts in the NFL at the quarterback position. What do we always say in, in fantasy football? Volume is king. Now, generally speaking, we're talking about a running back or a wide receiver, but it works for quarterbacks too. And it may not be pretty. You may not want to watch the game. In fact, I'd advise you not to. (laughs) Straight up. Don't do it. But by the end of the day, at the end of the box score, Matt Ryan has been putting up pretty consistently outside of the Thursday night game that everybody has ingrained into their minds against Denver Broncos. He's been consistently putting up about 300 yards and two touchdowns. That's a that that's a low at QB one minimum minimum bare minimum. Add on top of it, it's a good match because Tennessee his wide receiver should get open. So I really like Matt Ryan as a top ten option this week. And you know, talking about streaming quarterbacks, he's probably my number one streamer of the week. What about the running backs we got to look out for? So I really thought at this point we would have one way or another determination from the Cardinals about is James Conner going to play or not. I basically have Eno Benjamin James Conner ranked as 28-29 right now. Um, that's not their true ranking. Basically, whichever one's healthy is going to get the 28 spot. So if James Conner's out, I'm just going to rank Eno Benjamin at 28 and take Conner out of there. If if Conner is healthy, I'll keep him at 28, and then I'm going to move Eno Benjamin down to probably just outside my top 37 because he'll still be somewhat involved. But he'll fall outside of my flex consideration at that point. I lean towards it being Eno Benjamin and James Conner being out, but we don't know for sure as of yet. The point is this. Even if Conner plays, I'm still only expecting a mid-level RB3 performance. The Saints have been having struggles with their injuries, yes, on the outside perimeter to wide receivers. And while they're not as dominant against the run as they have been in previous seasons, they're still top 10. And Conner... You know, one decent shot to the ribs, he might be out even if he does play. So there's a lot of risk with James Conner, which is why I'm not going to have him ranked higher than a flex option. So take that with what you will. And the same thing goes with Eno Benjamin. I don't think Eno Benjamin is really that good. But if he's getting all the volume, he's going to have a floor. And that's kind of what that boils into, too. Tyler Algier, Caleb Huntley. I mean, look, yes, I have them as my RB34, my RB35, respectively. I'd much rather find almost anything else to be able to play than have to watch these two split carries on that Atlanta offense. Even in a good game, like last week, 
the best you could hope for, because, of course, Avery Williams has to get involved catching the ball for absolutely no reason whatsoever. The best you could hope for is like 50, 60 rushing yards. <laughs> like, that's it. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> it's good enough in a heavy bye week to make up a top 36 play. But this is the week that I'm telling you guys, if it's a running back outside the top 30, look for a wide receiver to put in your flex. There's no reason really that many running backs should be in flex consideration. Look for something else. It does bring me to Jamal Williams, though. So he comes in my RB27. And obviously with DeAndre Swift back, he does have a low floor. He's not going to be getting the kind of volume he was getting the weeks heading into the bye week. But even going back to week one, when DeAndre Swift was healthy, Jamal Williams did what? Oh, he still got double-digit carries, and he still got all the work inside the five-yard line. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner so he still has the touchdown potential of those rb3 guys in the range he's the one guy like okay you have touchdown potential he has some upside as a result to that we can have a conversation about you as a flex option and if deandre swift's not 100 healthy then he'll get a little bit more work than just that but jamal williams is going to be that annoying touchdown dependent rb3 play with deandre swift back into the lineup the guys I do want to spend a little more time on talking about in this group to look out for is the Cowboys running backs. So Ezekiel Elliott, my RB17 on the week. Yeah, I have him as a mid-level RB2. I'm feeling pretty confident. I didn't want to play him last week, but I did have him ranked as an RB3 because it was like, well, volume, kind of probably have to do so, by week injuries, whatever. And it was against the Philadelphia Eagles, which, you know, they're a good run defense. But then he averaged 6.2 yards per carry physically, Looks pretty good. But this isn't all about Zeke. That offensive line, since they've been able to get Jason Peters and move him to the inside on guard, they've been getting a push. They're going to get better, too. Tyron Smith, he's going to come back in November. What happens if all of a sudden this Dallas Cowboy offensive line looks like it can maul people again? I'm tentative to say it, but there is slight upside for Ezekiel Elliott moving forward. Because he still dominates the ball over Tony Pollard. He still has the better chance for touchdowns inside the red, in the red zone. He doesn't have a crazy ceiling. I'm not saying his upside is, R, is an RB1, a top 12 play. No, 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 no. His upside is a high-end RB2 based on volume and matchup. Which the Cowboys have a lot of good matchups the rest of the way here. Especially as that offensive line seems to find its groove a little bit. Now you go up against Detroit. Really bad. I think you're confidently playing Ezekiel Elliott as an RB2 this week. For Tony Pollard, it doesn't matter. Things could be going well with Dallas's offense. 
it's is are you going to be involved? Are is Kellen Moore going to decide to get you the ball that week? If they do, are you going to bust one? Because look at last week against the Philadelphia Eagles, for instance. Ezekiel Elliott had 13 carries. Tony Pollard had 11. You're usually going to be pretty happy when you get that kind of usage out of Pollard. But what didn't happen? He didn't bust a big play. He also didn't get involved in the passing game, which he consist- is not a consistent thing for him, unfortunately. So if he doesn't bust that big play, he more times than not winds up being a fantasy dud. It's not even necessarily about the volume all the time for him. I love Tony Pollard. He's an electric player. He's a top-end handcuff. But he's a guy that is consistently in the flex-ish range that's going to drive you crazy. Against Detroit, can you take the chance? Yeah, because he probably has a better chance to bust a big play than he did against the Philadelphia Eagles last week. But the analysis on him doesn't change. You're still going to deal with that same very low floor to high ceiling ratio. So let's move into the wide receivers. So all this talk, we got Marquise Brown out, DeAndre Hopkins returns. The one guy that nothing changes for is Rondell Moore, who comes in at my wide receiver 33 this week. Good, strong, flex option. The Saints, even when Marshawn Lattimore's in there, are, are not great against slot receivers, which is all Rondell Moore plays, by the way. I don't know how much Rond- Robbie Anderson's going to play, if at all, on Thursday. But as long as A.J. Green has a pulse, apparently they'll play him on the outside, which is a good thing for Rondale Moore because that means they'll play him in the slot. Because Kingsbury, you know, motioning, moving guys inside, outside to get mismatches, that's a foreign concept to him in his offense. So guys just stay where they are. Rondale Moore will stay in the slot. That's great for him. Now all of a sudden you got a guy who's got 7 to 10 targets as a possible floor for him from the volume standpoint in a game in which should have a decent matchup on his hands. So that's why Rondell Moore, I feel pretty good about his upside as a strong flex option this week. And that doesn't change for the rest of the season. I know Marquise Brown's out the next four to six weeks, but when he comes back, Robbie Anderson, I assume by that point, moves to the wide receiver four. He'll be the other outside wide receiver. Rondell Moore still gets to involved in the slot. That slot position, that middle of the field, is the most consistent position within this offense because Kyler Murray, he either throws it deep to DeAndre Hopkins or he throws it over the middle. That's it. That's all he does. So Moore, I think, is safe no matter what. But now with the Marquise Brown injury, you have a really safe floor as far as what you're getting, and that's why I like him so much this week. The other guy I want to spend a few moments talking about is Drake London. I love you, Drake London. You're great. You're tremendous. You had a great start to the season. But now i got to rank you at wide receiver 25 and put you at that low-end wide receiver 2, high-end wide receiver 3 territory. And I don't even know how good I feel about that. Now, this week I feel okay about it because you look at the other options. It's you know it's Rashad Bateman, it's Robert Woods. It's, it's, it's questionable options at best once you get past that point. But Marcus Mariota doesn't throw the ball. He's 29th amongst quarterbacks in pass attempts. He threw the ball 14 times last week. He threw the ball 17 times the week before that. We talk all the time about the Chicago offense and how Justin Fields, we want Justin Fields to throw the ball more to give Darnell Mooney a chance. And like last week, he had 27 pass attempts and Darnell Mooney finally had 12 targets and and looked like he could have a pulse potentially. Well, when he was throwing the ball 17 times or less, Darnell Mooney couldn't do anything. You couldn't play him. He was a droppable player. We're not there with Drake London, but it just goes to illustrate the point. I don't care how good you are, I don't care if you're the featured option. If your quarterback can't even throw the ball more than 15 times, 
it's hard for you to eat as a wide receiver. And earlier in the season, it was okay. He was kind of getting away with it. Mariota was getting over 20 times at least. But he was getting away with it because he was the featured guy. They were only going to him first and then everybody else, including Kyle Pitts, to you know the detriment of Kyle Pitts' owners. But now, Mariota spread it out. Zacchaeus is getting involved. You know, Brian Edwards gets a few targets. A bunch of people who are like, you never even heard of are getting involved now. The running backs get their share. The backup tight ends, don't forget, <laughs> Hesse, <laughs> he's got to get his share too, not Kyle Pitts. So now everybody's going to get spread out on a 14-pass attempt pie. We're dealing with a low floor now for Jacob London. He's not the consistent option he was before. And I do have some, some concerns if this continues, what it might mean for his fantasy value moving forward. So basically, I got a wide receiver 25 this week, and he's going to remain a wide receiver 3 for me until we see a pattern emerge from the Falcons that includes more passing volume. And I don't know when or if that's going to be. You would have thought the injuries of Damian Williams and Cordell Patterson would have led Arthur Smith to throwing the ball more and running the ball less. And In fact, all it's done is he's doubled down. The, the Caleb Huntley, Tyler Algier has made him double down on running the ball more <laughs> than, than passing it. It doesn't make any sense, but that's what we're dealing with. And that's the problems we're running into with Drake London, potentially. Alec Pierce, he comes in at wide receiver 28. This is purely matchup-based and the volume I expect him to be able to have. And then Robert Woods, wide receiver 27, still no Traylon Burks, has a floor. He has a floor. And I'm not excited about his ceiling. I'm not going to be overexcited to play him, but he has a good enough floor that he makes my top 30 at wide receiver. The game, which could be a little bit of a back-and-forth scoring. All right, I know the comments are building up, so let's try to get into some of these Randy, 12-man PPR. Should I trade Deontay Johnson for Travis Etienne? I don't even have to read the rest of your roster. If you can pull off that trade, go for it. Deontay Johnson, funny enough, is in top 12 in targets. But uh, it doesn't really matter when your quarterback stinks and you don't get the ball and you don't find the end zone. And then we have Gitz. If I tell you my team, can you tell me moves to make two, one through five? And again, if you want to tell me your team, go to at show on social media. I will help you out there. I'm sorry, Danielle. I didn't realize you actually got to one of these comments already. I'm going to put your answer up there. And she pretty much agrees with me, ultimately speaking. All right, so let's move back to our outline, our lookout for players with the tight end position. Taysom Hill, tight end nine. I just want him to go away. Disappear, Taysom Hill. Go away. I don't. I don't want to have to rank you. I don't want to have to project you. I don't. I don't want to have to give analysis on you. It is ridiculous. But here's what I will say, because you know I have the microphone and I got to say something. I guess he is in my top ten. He's a tight end nine for me this week. I do expect Andy Dalton to be the quarterback. They're lacking on weapons. The packages will be alive. Good chance he gets at least a touchdown. Therefore, I feel like you kind of have to play him as a tight end ten on a heavy bye week. And that's all I can offer you. If he does out and does nothing and doesn't get on the field, because that's a real possibility too, with the way they utilize him or don't sometimes, don't come crying to me, okay? I don't want you to play Taysom Hill. <laughs> but unfortunately, the, him, the fact of him getting a touchdown inside the red zone is a real possibility, especially in this situation against the Arizona Cardinals with the circumstances the Saints are in. So, I'm rolling the dice with Taysom Hill as a top 10 option. Don't cry to me if it gives you a zero. That's part of what you're signing up for if you're playing Taysom Hill to begin with. Zach Ertz, 
He's a tight end 10 for me too. Now, Zachers lucked out. And I don't want to, you know, I don't want to make it sound like a positive thing, but he did luck out with his value with Marquise Brown going out because DeAndre Hopkins coming back. I had been telling you guys to sell Zach Ertz with all of your might before DeAndre Hopkins come back because then the volume disappears. Well, didn't expect Marquise Brown to get hurt the week Hopkins came back. So now all of a sudden, okay, the volume can stay intact because Hopkins just slides in those targets. Everything else still remains the same for that was available to everybody else to begin with. When Brown does come back, though, I already talked about with Rondale Moore. I think Zach Ertz is the guy who gets left out of his offense at some point. But until then, he's got enough volume to sustain his value, especially in half-point, full-point PPR leagues. Doesn't score a lot, doesn't get a lot of yards, but he just gets the volume over and over and over again. And you can play him as a top-10 option, even a bad matchup against the Saints. What about Kyle Pitts? I'm not going to go into a full analysis with Kyle Pitts because it's the same analysis I just gave for Drake London, only it's a lot worse for Kyle Pitts. And even being a lot worse for him, he's still a tight end 12 for me. (laughs) Because of his talent, because he did find the end zone last week, do I feel good about it? No. But, uh, Danielle, put put that graphic back up again real quick for the tight end rankings, if you would. Look at the options after Kyle Pitts. And if you're not, I'll read them off to you. Hayden Hurst, Tiggins is back. He's got a, a zero floor potentially for him. Mike Isicki comes in at tight end 14. If Derrick Smythe doesn't play, then maybe he's going to be all right there. But otherwise, Mike Isicki's only had one game where he's even shown anything. Robert Tunyon, we're hoping last week meant something, but it easily could not too. Hunter Henry, uh, he finally got involved. Janu Smith still wasn't 100%, though, so how much does that have to do with that? Kate Otten, who I do like for future, but not so confident for him this week. And then O.J. Howard's by tight end 18. When you look at those tight end options, that's why Kyle Pitts winds up being in the top 12, because his talent is still better. I think you just have to roll the dice as a result to that when you find yourself in these situations. If you have a Gerald Everett, a David Ujoku, I'm playing them over him. Otherwise, I think you're stuck, and it's a pain. Uh, talked about Hurst. Streamable option. Very volatile. TJ Hawkinson, he's my tight end eight. Now, I like him a lot more if Josh Reynolds can't play. If Josh Reynolds can't go, TJ Hawkinson, he'll be okay. But if he does play, what we've seen is that there's a second viable receiver for Detroit. That could mean TJ Hawkinson gets left out of the offense. That, that's, what, that's what can happen. We've seen that in the past so far already this season. The good news is he's back. He's healthy. The bad news is it's a tough match against Dallas. So if he's not getting that volume, I don't know how much of a ceiling he really has. But kind of like the Pitts thing, kind of like we're talking about here, tight end eight, if you have him, you're likely playing TJ Hawkinson this week. But I'm a little bit cautious depending upon what's available to him. Speaking of being cautious, let's hit our be cautious of players. Be cautious of? Yes, yeah, so we're not playing Andy Dalton. The only thing I, I want to highlight with him, though, is that there was talk before last Sunday. They're like, look, if Dalton plays well, there's a chance he could be the starting quarterback. So something to keep your eye on. I do think it will be him as a starter. We still have to get that official word. But if it is, Andy Dalton could play his way into being the starting quarterback. While I think Jameis Winston is better for fantasy purposes because Chris Olave can hit the bigger play. And maybe he's not better for Alvin Kamara, but the offense at least has more ability, has more juice to it. The team seems to like the way it operates better, at least coaching staff does anyway, with Andy Dalton under center. 
So take that for what you will, but something to kind of watch, especially after tomorrow. That's why I think it's so important to see who they do name as a starting quarterback heading into tomorrow night, because I think we might be seeing the beginning of that. Not playing Mariota, not playing quarterback, only throws the ball 14 times. Sorry. Ryan Tannehill, technically he's in my QB 17 area, which technically would make him in the conversation for streaming. But that then it goes to type of week we're dealing with this week. You got to have a better option than Ryan Tannehill. You're praying to God he falls into the end zone or rushing touchdown. Otherwise, he has no ceiling. Unfortunately, the magic of Ryan Tannehill with this team is gone. Michael Gallup. Now, I have his be cautious of, which is funny because I have him as a wide receiver 35. What I'm saying by that is he has big playability, but a super, super description between high end wide receiver ceiling and, and a low wide receiver four. Dak against the Detroit Lions gives him a chance to hit that big play, his chance to get in the end zone. He's still not quite getting that volume yet. And I don't know what Dak's first week back if he's going to just be able to do it right away. I just, I just don't know that's going to be the case. So that's why I don't really want to play Gallup, but he does have tantalizing ceiling upside, which is why he's still in the conversation too. DFS, that's why I might take a shot at Michael Gallup. But the more important part of this, now Dak is back and he opens up more of the field for this offense. Michael Gallup can finally be that wide receiver three more times than not moving forward. And that also brings me to Dalton Schultz. It's hard for him. Like Dak being back against the tree, I should be super excited. Like he should be automatically inside my top 10. You can play him as a streaming option this week, but because of his knee issue, I just don't know how healthy he is. It seems like every time he's ramping up, practicing in full, ready to go, he winds up having some sort of setback that either makes him limited during the game or like last week, a late scratch. So Dak being back, that should up his floor as far as his target volume goes regardless. But now because he's dealing with the knee injury, he's kind of like a worse version of Zach Ertz out there. Maybe you get the volume, but you ain't doing anything at, with the ball as soon as you get it in your hands. And with this knee injury, I don't know how much you do because I don't know how much you can get open. So something to watch there with Dalton Schultz. I think about streaming him, but I would look for other options if at all available. All right, we can finally hit that break. When we come back on the other side, we got three games to talk about. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. Football is back, baby. And our new sponsor, True Classic, wants you to look and feel your best even after a couple of brewskis or going full force on your fantasy football draft. Sure, it's football season, but it's also butt-to-couch season. Luckily, True Classic has the absolute best-fitting clothing a man can buy. Snug in the arms and chest with a little extra space in the torso, their t-shirts are designed to keep you cozy and highlight your best assets no matter what you're up to. So if your special someone is upset that you're watching football all day, at least you can look good doing it. True Classic has already helped over 2 million men find a perfect fit at an affordable price. Our listeners get access to the best deal they offer. For a limited time only, get 25% off with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at trueclassic.com. Almost all men's t-shirts are designed to look good on skinny models with six-packs, but most of us aren't packing anything but a few beers. Fellas, you are wearing the wrong clothes. 
True Classic tees taper off towards the bottom, but they fit tighter around the chest and shoulders. It's time to highlight your best attributes with a t-shirt you can always confidently throw on. It's about time to get your fit together, so upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic and get 25% off at trueclassic.com with promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Free shipping included on purchases over $100. That's 25% off at trueclassic.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. If there's one bet you should make this football season, it's on True Classic. True Classic, look good, feel good. Welcome back into the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Thanks for watching live on our YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe so that we get notified whenever we have new content available to you. Or just make sure you tune back in Monday through Friday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Not that hard to remember, I don't think. You can check us out also live on BillyUp.TV. If you miss an episode, that's okay. Go to our on-demand service, which is the Foxy Network app on your LG, Samsung, Roku, or Amazon Fire TV devices. All of our episodes can be found on there. Or just download us on your favorite podcast app because we're widely available. And give us a five-star review so you can help us help you because that's how that works pretty much for that. Uh, As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We're going over our look-ahead Wednesday, so it's our first half of the weekly preview, which means we had seven games total to talk about today. We did the first four in the first segment, along with the Brian Scott injuries, which is why the first segment always runs a little bit long. But now we got the second segment, where we're talking about three matchups. We're talking about the Packers against the Commanders. We're talking about the Bucks against the Carolina Panthers. And we're talking about the Giants against the Jaguars. So let's hit our obvious starters. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. Okay. Nothing at quarterback. <laughs> Shocker. I know. What about running back, though? Leonard Fournette comes in my RB5 this week. He's been holding off for Shad White. They trust him a lot, and he gets volume all day, every day. Even White got involved, Leonard Fournette would still get his targets, get his carries, and still be set up in the red zone for touchdowns. Nothing else for Tampa Bay has been consistent, but Leonard Fournette has been, and that's why he's an RB5 for me this week. Christian McCaffrey. So he comes in RB7 for me, and it's reflective of the tough matchup, plus reflective of the fact that he has to deal with Philip Walker, who's not an NFL quarterback, starting at the NFL quarterback position for him this week. Hopefully, like we got last week, he just he gets the volume to pass the game because, well, Walker can't throw it five yards past the line of scrimmage, apparently. So I think ultimately McCaffrey's volume will be fine. He'll still finish an RB1. The news that I want to talk about with McCaffrey doesn't have anything to do with his value this week. The trade rumors are out and about. So I asked this question on social media the other day, and I said, look, if McCaffrey gets traded, is that a positive or a negative thing? I thought I, I tend to lead towards it being a positive thing myself, but I thought it was an interesting debate because if you really think about it, look at Saquon Barkley on the Giants. It's not a good team, but because he's the guy getting all the volume, he's the RB1 right now. McCaffrey's not far behind him for a very similar reason. As bad as everything has been for the Carolina Panthers, McCaffrey's been very good, getting a lot of volume because he is the only offense that they have. Well, if he gets traded to a better team, that's not necessarily a guarantee. Although because he's Christian McCaffrey, it's not like I think he's going to go, you know, be in a committee or anything after that. That's not what I'm saying. But I thought it was an interesting conversation because there will be other weapons on the field and there won't be such a focal point to get him the ball at the same rate. But then they talked about the teams he could go to. So I hope the Rams, I hope he doesn't go to Rams. 
Because that's the one place where I, I would actually be a little bit fearful because they're just a dysfunctional team right now. And I, I don't see it getting any better for them because I don't see how the offensive line can improve in any kind of capacity. But if he goes to the 49ers, I try to keep things professional and clean on this show. But I would very much have a happy ending in my pants if he went to the 49ers. I'm just saying, uh, look, Chris McCaffrey in San Francisco, okay, First of all, lead running back for Kyle Shanahan, that's already a fantasy gold mine. You add Chris McCaffrey in that mix. <laughs> just think about what we might have in the shoulders. Plus, the other reason being, you know, I'm a 49ers fan, so that would just be double awesome for me. But hopefully it's something like that, or a Buffalo Bills. That would also be really, really good situation for him, too. Just don't get traded to a place where you might actually be in a committee <laughs> or be behind another terrible offensive line like the Rams. So I think I walked away with feeling like I'm okay if McCaffrey's on the Carolina Panthers the rest of the way because I know what kind of volume he's going to get, and he's shown that even with this terrible team, he can still produce at a really high rate. But it's very interesting to think about where McCaffrey could potentially wind up with. And of course, Saquon Barkley, RB2, we're obviously starting him. I do have a couple questions here. Uh, double zero seven-ish, Ayuk or Alec Pierce in the flex this week. I do have Ayuk. A few spots ahead playing against the Kansas City Chiefs. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. They're going to have to throw the ball a little bit more. I trust the 49ers offense more. I trust the Colts offense. And unfortunately for Alec Pierce, I don't understand the reasoning for this, but he still wasn't playing ahead of Paris Campbell when it comes to snaps. So that's the other reason why I would lean Brandon Ayuk there. And then we have another question. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to read that. I uh, just got, we're going to say Mr. Abdi. We'll just say that. Just got JT and Amon Ra for DJ Moore and CMC. Win or not? Yeah, that's a win. As much as I love Christian McCaffrey, you get Jonathan Taylor, you get you get an RB1 and a receiver one for DJ Moore, who barely should even be rostered at this point, and one RB1. So yeah, definitely a win for you there. Okay, so let's dive in to the wide receivers for the obvious starters, which it's only one. It's Mike Evans. He comes in my wide receiver seven. The volume's there. The volume's there. Tom Brady's on the ball 144 times over the last three weeks. If he can get a little bit more time, he will hit Mike Evans down the field, who's still his leading red zone target, too. So Mike Evans has always been kind of hit or miss. Last week was a miss game. The way this season has gone, he'll likely hit here this week against the Carolina Panthers, who shouldn't be able to get as much of a pass rush all the Tampa Bay Bucks this week who are looking to get back on track. So let's go into our lock them in players. Lock them in. It's a lock. Talk about Brady. <laughs> so look, there's a lot of things going on with this guy off the field. There's no doubt about it. And if you weren't sure about this being his last year, I think you definitely are now. He just doesn't look like he's as involved. Not to a Tom Brady standard anyway. But I do think he's going to get back on track sooner rather than later. The offense, the weapons are too good. 
They do have some hope on the horizon for their offensive line improving, like Jensen coming back possibly in November. And Tom Brady just, I don't know, he's just a guy who I think he can buckle down towards the season and kind of get going when he needs to. Because if he gets frustrated enough, it's going to piss him off as a competitor. He's going to find a way. I'm not going to bet him out. Just not. Sorry. I've been down that road before. I've gotten burnt. I'm not going to be on the side of that. Brady is my QB5 this week. I am starting him with confidence against a future Carolina Panther team who's playing Philip Walker at the quarterback position, which will give the Bucks plenty of opportunities on offense to get going. And that's exactly what they'll do. They won't run this thing out. They won't play conservative. They will give Brady every opportunity to get his confidence back and get the groove going on that offensive side of the ball. So I'm playing him with confidence this week and locking him in as a top five quarterback. I'm also locking in Aaron Jones as a high-end RB2. I actually got him at RB13 this week. The Packers need to turn to him. The offense has been putrid. They've lost their identity from the first three weeks. I don't know why they've gotten away from it, but it's in their, it's, it's in their backfield. That's their identity. And in their backfield right now, Aaron Jones is averaging 5.8 yards carry and A.J. Dillon 3.9. Maybe A.J. Dillon gets going. I talked about this last week when the weather changes and it gets colder and tackling a man of that size is a bigger pain in the butt. But for right now, for a team that's lacking explosive playmakers, to not get Aaron Jones more involved doesn't make any sense to me at all. I do think this week is a bit of a course correction for them because it has to be. I do believe that leads to Aaron Jones having one of his better Aaron Jones days. Going to the wide receivers, we got Chris Godwin. I'm locking him in as a top 20 wide receiver. So while Brady has had to get the ball out of his hands faster, which has been a hindrance for Mike Evans, for Chris Godwin, it's been great. Even though he's not 100% healthy and not back to his explosive self yet, he's getting all the volume in the world because he's the only check down guy Tom Brady apparently trusts. It ain't Russell Gage. So much for the Russell Gage hype. I was never on the Russell Gage train, so I don't care. But they're all like, oh, Brady wanted him in, and he's going to be the slot receiver, and he's a good player. He's just a guy. That's all he's ever been. Brady's finding that out the hard way right now. And if, if last week was any indication, eh, he's, he's got no love for Russell Gage at the moment. So Chris Godwin will continue to be that guy who just eats up that volume underneath consistently. Brady gets the ball out of his hands quickly. It's a perfect combination for him to have a safe floor volume. Christian Kirk. Now, this is where things get a little bit interesting. I wasn't ready to jump ship on Christian Kirk last week. I said, you know, everyone's panicking a little bit too much. And then he came through and he got a touchdown. But I actually felt less easy about Christian Kirk's status, even though he came through with a touchdown last week. Because then it was three weeks in a row where we're talking about Kirk getting less than seven targets in the game. That shouldn't happen. The guy getting $20 million and you don't really have any other name receivers on that squad, should never, in a Jacksonville system, be getting less than seven targets. And it's now three weeks in a row. So now I'm getting a little bit worried. Now, Kirk's still my wide receiver 21 on the week. I'm still playing him as a wide receiver too. Because ultimately, I think that has to get corrected. And as, as much as my brain does not want to buy into the idea that the Giants are actually good on defense... Well, through six weeks, they've been the number one defense against the wide receiver position. I can't ignore it with six weeks worth of data. So, Christian Kirk has to have a little bit of a lower floor, but I'm still playing him this week as a, as a wide receiver too. Just something I'm kind of keeping my eye on. If that continues, we may need to look to sell Christian Kirk while you still can based on the early season value because over the last three weeks, 
He's been the wide receiver 44 with that target share. That's the problem. Let's get to our lookout for guys. Look out for. So this is where we finally get the Aaron Rodgers. He is my QB nine. So he's a top 10 quarterback. And typically speaking, that would make him a lock him in guy. But because the Packers offense is so maddening, it, we know he has a low ceiling. And that's why I kicked off the show by saying, when you get passed by top eight quarterbacks, I'm not really so thrilled with everybody else after that. So Rodgers with the matchup, I feel uh, I feel like you have to play him. <laughs> if you have him, you have to play him. He's no different than the other group of guys in that range that you'd be picking from the stream. So if you've had him on your team up until this point, I, I think you have to play him in a game like this. It's against the Washington Commanders. If, if, if he can't look decent and put up a fancy floor against the Washington Commanders, you can drop Aaron Rodgers right after this week. Go for it. Drop him off your team. If you're in one quarterback leagues, drop Aaron Rodgers if he can't put up at least a solid top 10 performance against the Washington Commanders this week. That's the barometer we're at. Okay? So that's how we're dealing with this. That's why he's my QB9. That's why you have to play him. Daniel Jones, I know he's interesting because he does all this little RPO action with Saquon Barkley. <clears throat> no. Leave Daniel Jones alone where he belongs on the bench. I got him at QB 15. There are other streaming options to be able to turn to. What about the running back position? So Taylor Heineke, he comes in at the quarterback. Means Washington will probably lean on the run a little bit more. If last week was any indication, they want that guy to be Brian Robinson. Now, it wasn't pretty. 2.6 yards carry. Ugh. But he had 17 carries. Antonio Gibson clearly is the second fiddle guy to him. And as far as what the mixture is going with Gibson and Jaden McKissick in the passing game, that has to get sorted out. And that's why neither one of them are inside my top 36. But I do have Brian Robinson as my RB30 because you can run the ball down the throat of the Green Bay Packers. And of all the running backs, he's got the best chance of getting the touchdown because he will get those looks inside the five, inside the 10. So not a high ceiling here, but a solid floor should get 15 plus carries in this game and has a chance to score a touchdown. That's why he's an RB30 flex play. And at the RB30 spot, that's kind of my cutoff too for running backs. I actually want to play in the flex this week. James Robinson, what an interesting case him and Travis Etienne both are. So I have James Robinson RB22, and I believe we leave that graphic up there. Yep, Travis Etienne, I have him at RB31. I moved him up a little bit too right before the show. Yes, I'm sticking to, for this game, for this matchup, more what we saw in the beginning of the year, which is James Robinson leading the way. I know the last three weeks, Travis Etienne has played, what, two more snaps each than James Robinson. So still very much a 50-50 committee. And I'm not concerned about the... If you have James Robinson, I'm not concerned about the way things have gone. And if you're a Travis Etienne owner, I'm not overly excited about the way things have gone. It's what I predicted. It's game script dependent. What's changed is that Jacksonville went from a team that looked like they could be legitimate and actually at least beat up on some of the worst teams in the league and have positive game scripts that were supposed to lead to James Robinson having more you know, confident performances when you can play him as an RB2 or even higher. And instead, in the games in which we thought they might either win or be more competitive in, they've fallen behind. So Travis Etienne's come in and he's got a few more snaps. But even last week, James Robinson still had more carries. He's still the main guy on early down work and in the goal line. 
The Giants might be really good against wide receivers right now. They're not good against the running backs. So I still have James Robinson as a top 24 guy with more touchdown potential in this match against the New York Giants. They might, it should be a competitive game. The way Giants play it, I don't see why this won't be a competitive game. Travis Etienne will still get his. This will still likely be a 50-50 snap count by the end of it. But he still gets mixed in the running game where there's a solidified role for Robinson in these types of game scripts. Travis Etienne is the better PPR play. But we're talking about half-point PPR where touchdowns matter a little bit more. That still goes in the favor of James Robinson, which is why I'm still ahead of him than Travis Etienne. We go to the wide receivers. We'll start with the Packers wide receivers. Lazard, my wide receiver 20. Romeo Dobbs, my wide receiver 23. It's the Washington Commanders. I go back to my analysis about Aaron Rodgers. If you can't do it against the Commanders, who are you going to do it against? And with Lazard, he's been fine. So he's not really part of the question here. It's, it's Romeo Dobbs. Romeo is going to be fine, too. I don't think Sammy Watkins comes back this week. Christian Watson, who knows if he can. And Randall Cobb's gone. So the guy doing all the underneath stuff, the bubble screen stuff, the you know move the chain stuff, it's likely going to be Romeo Dobbs this week. He's still at nine targets. I know this has been a bit of a fall-off of the where it looked like he was trending a couple of weeks ago, but I'm playing Romeo Dobbs confidently as a top 24 receiver this week against the Commanders, being that everybody else is seemingly out too. And I still believe in his talent developing too. I think he'll get there too, as well. Uh, with the Washington Commanders side of the ball, so Taylor Heineke comes in. Uh, yeah, everybody wants a reason to hate on Carson Wentz. I, I don't hate on the guy the same way everybody else does, especially when in comparison to Taylor Heineke. You know, the guy that they brought in Carson Wentz to replace because he was so bad last year that they didn't want Taylor Heineke to be the starting quarterback again this season. Remember that, guys? Can, can you remember past six months ago? Can we put that in our memories? Do we all have amnesia? Do we all have Alzheimer's? Taylor Heineke is not a good quarterback. It's like... It's like he plays, and then everyone remembers he's not a good quarterback, but then when he goes away for a while, everybody just has that playoff game from a couple years ago stuck in their brains when he plays well. Like, oh, maybe Tyler Heineke has some upside. No, he doesn't. You know what he doesn't have upside for? He doesn't have upside for Terry McLaurin. That's the big problem here. So McLaurin, who's already been a disappointment with Carson Wentz to begin with and is already a boomer bust wide receiver three, just gets more embedded into that territory even so with Taylor Heineke. Last year... He was the wide receiver 25, who's a boomer bust wide receiver three. No consistency whatsoever. And even his boom games didn't have a huge ceiling. Comes in for me at wide receiver 32. I have a little bit more confidence in Curtis Samuel, even though his targets have kind of fallen off over the past couple of weeks too. But Heineke, who's a more natural check down, play it safe type of wide receiver, that bodes well for the volume of a Curtis Samuel. So against the Green Bay Packers in a game in which I think the commanders will have to come back from behind He's a wide receiver 29 for me, so you can play him as a flex play with some volume. Even if Dotson comes back, we don't know what the repertoire between Dotson and Taylor Heineke is, and he still has to work his way back from the hamstring injury anyway. Wouldn't play Dotson, and I wouldn't worry about his volume, which there wasn't really that much to begin with. He was just getting the touchdowns, too much affecting the other guys where they actually stand. The other guy I want to talk about real quickly is Wandale Robinson. So he comes in at wide receiver 38 for me, just outside my wide receiver 36. I don't think he's going to be quite there yet with the snap counts for me to confidently make him a wide receiver three. But look at last week. He played the fourth most amongst the giant wide receivers, and yet he still scored the touchdown. 
They need somebody to emerge. They This organization drafted Wandell Robinson, this regime, in the second round. They want it to be Wandell Robinson. Once he's back playing up the snuff, playing the full amount of snaps, he's going to be the high-targeted guy. If you haven't already done so, he's worth a stash. And he'll probably be inside my top 36 before long, just based on default. That brings us to the tight end. So Cade Otten, I talked about him a little bit already. He's my tight end 17 on the week. Cameron Brait is going to be out for a while with his injury. Kyle Rudolph is, he, he's done. He, he's there. He's an extra left tackle. That's all he is. He's not actually there to catch the ball anymore. So Kate Otten is in an interesting situation. He's a decent athletic profiled rookie. Tom Brady looking for another weapon he can go to outside of Chris Godwin, outside of Mike Evans. And Cameron breaks out for a little while. When that happened before, Kate Otten wound up with like seven targets. Eh, not bad for a guy in that situation. So I'm not looking to play him this week. Maybe DFS a little bit just as a cheap play. We'll see. But in redraft leagues, no. But I would like to pick him up. If you've been streaming at the tight end position, we've been desperate trying to find guys who could actually have some upside. He could be that guy who's in a unique spot here with Cameron Bray out of the way. All right, let's wrap this thing up with the be cautious of. Be cautious of. You're not playing Taylor Heineke. Trevor Lawrence is actually the quarterback 11 on the week. He's my, or I'm sorry, quarterback 11 for the season. He's my QB 16 on the week. I don't love him against the Giants, obviously. They, they're they going to pressure him a lot, and he's not very good against the Blitz. But I just want to point out the fact that he is the quarterback 11 through the first six weeks of the season. So all these guys kept asking me, like, oh, drop Trevor Lawrence. You can't play Trevor Lawrence. It's ugly, but it's ugly for everyone. That's the issue here. And last week, he gets two quarterback sneaks. Those are possibilities. I'm not streaming him this week. But Trevor Lawrence is still going to be in that conversation more times than not this season. Okay? Still believe in the talent. And still believe in the game scripts that they're going to have, which is largely going to be negative. But not this week. A.J. Dillon comes to my RB32, as I explained earlier. Anybody outside my top 30 at the running back position, not necessarily a guy I want to flex. The volume's still there. He's still likely to get double-digit touches, which is why we got to talk about him every single week. But until he gets going, until he finds his rhythm again, and I think a large part of it's going to have to do weather changing, but also that offensive line has to get healthier. A.J. Dillon's not Aaron Jones. He can't just make something happen if the offensive line's not getting a push. That's the big difference here. Right now, due to injury, they're not. And that's why they that's why likely they'll have to turn to Aaron Jones a little bit more. But AJ Dillon's not somebody who I'm dropping. I'm starting to see that more and more. And that's the mistake. Still tremendous upside if Aaron Jones gets hurt, but also things will get better for him. He's still getting double digit touches that more times than not can be an RB2 in this league. Not this week, though. Gibson McKissick, I talked about this a little bit. If Gibson's going to play this in-between role between Brian Robinson and J.D. McKissick, the guy that affects more is McKissick because if he loses any volume of the passing game, he's no longer a PPR emergency flex option. So you're not playing either one of them. Dots that we talked about, Zay Jones, until this Jaguars offensive passing attack gets back on track first with Christian Kirk, I'm certainly not rolling the dice out there with Zay Jones, who since he's been back from injury has been incredibly underwhelming. The last guy I do want to talk about, though, DJ Moore. So hope is on the horizon for DJ Moore, believe it or not. The reason being, this coaching staff smartly 
already put it out there that Baker Mayfield is going to have to earn his starting job, which really meant to me that Sam Darnold is going to be the starting quarterback when he gets back, designated for return today. He's not going to play this week, but I do think they're going to turn things over to Sam Darnold. I think that's going to happen. Sam Darnold sucks, but he hyper-targets DJ Moore. So there's silver lining on the horizon for DJ Moore. And then last but not least, you're not playing Logan Thomas. He might not even be healthy either. And you're not playing Evan Ingram. So let's bring Danielle in here. We can get to the mailbag segment. The mail's here. All right. Well, I, I will first. Let's let's get the actual right overlay here, so we can see a little bit better. There we go. That's 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 much better. All right, Danielle. I know it's been a long show, so hit us with the mailbag segment here. All right. So Kayla or Kula Kula asked Garrett. Was well, there you go. Uh, Garrett Wilson or Wandale Robinson for the rest of the season? Yeah. Interesting question. I love Garrett Wilson's talent more. But Wandale Robinson, as I just kind of pointed out, has the more surefire pathway to fantasy value, especially since the Jets, when they turned things over to Zach Wilson, became exactly what I thought they would be, a more run-bounce attack and a quarterback who spreads the ball out more amongst his receivers. There's just not enough volume to go around. So I think it's Wandale Robinson. Yeah, I I agree with that one. Um, Evan asked, trade Dalvin Cook for Devontae Adams and Elliott? Yes. You're doing. I love David Cook, and yes, it's hard to find RB ones, but the elite, a receiver one right now, that's the fantasy value asset. That's the guy winning you the games week in and week out. And if you get Ezekiel Elliott, who I just talked about, might be a solid RB two the rest of the way. You're doing pretty good. Ezekiel Elliott is most of the time pretty consistent as well, so he's a good person to pick up some points for your team. For sure. The last question is from Iron Monkey. Love that name. And he asked, rest of the season, TJ Hawkinson or David Njoku? Yeah, this is interesting for me. If you asked me this pre-draft, I, I was a TJ Hawkinson no contest. But the way things have played out, I think it's David Njoku. Look, even when Deshaun Watson comes back, and that'll actually amplify the offense, Njoku still has a real pathway to be the second targeted guy amongst the pass catchers with Amari Cooper. Like Donovan Peoples-Jones, he's just a guy who gets mixed in every once in a while. We look at Hawkinson, if Jameson Williams does come back at some point this season, now you got Williams and St. Brown and DeAndre Swift to contend with for targets. I still think they're both top eight tight ends to me, but I would actually favor David Njoku potentially moving forward. As someone who has TJ Hawkinson on one team and David Njoku on the other, I've seen way more positives from Njoku than I have in Hawkinson. Hawkinson, I've had multiple games where it's like, okay, cool. We got two receptions this week. That's better than the last week because we got one last (laughs) week. So I would definitely take Njoku. Danielle, I'm going to cram in a a few last questions we got in the comments for you here. Derek, he asked Kate Otten, good choice for Tom Brady this week. I talked about him at length, potentially, if you don't have any other options. And then he followed up with, would you like Dolchich better at tight end this week? I think Dolchich has more upside, but he still only had two catches on two targets last week, and one was on a busted play. That's where his big play came from. What do you think, Danielle? What do you think about that one? Yeah, we've really seen one really big thing from him, and it was a pretty good game for him last week. I feel like nobody really expected to hear his name coming up, but um, I definitely wouldn't take him unless it was necessarily your best option. 
And last one, we'll close it out. Would you trade Lenny and Curtis Samuel for Jonathan Taylor? No, I wouldn't. Look, things should get better for Jonathan Taylor. I'm not saying all hope is lost and he can't return to being a top five running back, but like I talked about, unless that offensive line gets something figured out, and I don't know how they improve at a drastic level that they need to, Taylor's going to be more inconsistent than we were anticipating. Leonard Fournette is nothing but consistent. And then put in a wide receiver three on top of it. I would not do that deal. What about you? I would not either. Leonard Fournette has been a really key aspect to Tampa Bay's offense this year, considering everybody decided to get hurt except for him at one point. So Tom Brady knows Leonard Fournette is a reliable option. He's always going to go to him if he's open and he is their main running back that they use down there. So I would not take that. Jonathan Taylor was great last year, but it's not looking so promising for him. That's going to do it for today's show, guys. Hope you all enjoyed it. We'll be back tomorrow at 10 p.m. Eastern with the Clairvoyant Thursday, the second half fantasy football weekly preview. So make sure you tune in then. We'll have Chris Dowhower back on the show. We'll have Brian Scott again to kick things off. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel so you get notified when we have new content available. And download us on your favorite podcast app or widely available to you guys. Please give us a five-star review. Until then, I'll see you tomorrow night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 